From Advisory Board, we're bringing you a radio advisory. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. Right now, the entire industry is grappling with questions about how and when to reopen for business. And admittedly, much of the conversation has been about how to reopen procedures, whether that's in a hospital or in outpatient surgery. And it makes sense to focus there because most systems have canceled their quote-unquote elective procedures and have a big queue of postponed electives. But today, I want to talk about how physician practices and the ambulatory space should consider reopening. And to do that, I brought my colleague, Daniel Kuzmanovich. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Ray. How's Owen? Owen is good. Owen, for those of you who don't know, is my dog who is hopefully being quiet and sleeping uh, just underneath my, my dining room table where I am calling into this podcast from. Where are you calling from? I am hiding in a closet, avoiding the noise of Alexandria, calling in from my house. You know, Daniel, you are the first person to actually dial in from your closet. It seemed like the quietest option. Definitely could avoid the cat and hits meowing for more food. (laughs) As we all know, there is no single path on the road to recovery. But I'm curious, from your perspective, Daniel, how should ambulatory practices be thinking about reopening? Well, first thing I want to grapple with is the word reopening. I think that's a word we're using a lot, but I think it's worth adding some nuance. Practices are closed at times and open at others. I mean, they're not officially shut down. And then a lot of the ambulatory visits has switched over to telehealth. So I think the real word here is moving back to where in-person visits are significantly provided. Reopening can be a crutch word we use, but I think that's the real world we have to be thinking about. And moving towards more quote-unquote normal, normal Uh being majority in-person visits. So so how would you tell an ambulatory leader to, to think about doing that? So I think there are three questions I would be asking. The first question is, can we do this? Can we quote unquote reopen? Second, it's should we? And then the last one is how? That's the framework I'd use to evaluate that. So let's start by going into the can and the should. And I think it's helpful to put this in the context of what our partners in the hospital or outpatient Uh surgery part of the healthcare world are doing. Oh, yeah. In what ways should ambulatory physician leaders be mimicking what their partners in the hospital world are doing? I think the point you've hit on is really important. There is a lot of overlap between ambulatory and hospital and how we approach, quote unquote, reopening. The first can we kind of question is, is this allowed from a regulatory perspective? And do we have the financial wherewithal to do it? The answer here is probably in line with what we would expect from hospitals. Leaders will need to consider kind of the cases in their market, cases in their state, local restrictions, resources, PPE, and testing. I think all of those are going to be really similar factors across hospitals and ambulatory settings. What are some of the things that ambulatory practices should be doing that's different than what their hospital partners might be doing? 
This is an important point to kind of keep in mind, and that is that there have been two very different experiences, shall we say. Experience number one is where you have had providers, physicians, advanced practice providers on the front lines of COVID, on the front lines of the pandemic. But then there's this other group of ambulatory providers and physicians who have kind of been on the sidelines. They have either been sitting it out doing telehealth, but not on the front lines of COVID, or they have been redeployed back from the inpatient setting over. And so these folks are going to be anxious to get back to work. And so it's almost a kind of coalescence. Two groups, one that's really excited to get to work and one that's a little, we'll call it, quote unquote, war weary. Let's say an organization is ready to ramp up or resume some of that in-person care. Where should they actually start? I think priority one is COVID patients. Intake, screening, triage. Priority two is then the backlog. This is the guidance we are giving to hospitals as well. Longer wait times for patients to resume care tend to increase that they avoid that care or that they defect to a competitor. That's what we want to prevent. A note here is that we want to think about preventive care and chronic patients, groups that have you know, not been able to get in. How do, we, how do we think about that population, manage them? This is one of the biggest opportunities for an ambulatory practice to start working their way through that backlog. And that makes a ton of sense. But in all honesty, groups are likely to have a ton of backlog. There are probably a lot of competing demands that organizations are weighing for who and how they prioritize. What advice would you give to ambulatory leaders? This is going to be a balancing act. A lot of leadership right now is a balancing act, and this is going to fall into that category. There are a couple of factors that groups are going to need to balance. Factor one is probably clinical urgency thinking in the context of the broader clinical pathway, what might be required in terms of images and screenings that lead to surgeries for the hospital or health system. I think the second factor is the, we'll call it the importance of the service to the business. But what I think we're really talking about here is financial benefit. How much revenue could we anticipate from something like this? And also, is there a competitive play, either defensive or offensive from that perspective? And three is probably feasibility. Can we do this? Is it going to vary by site to site? So balancing act. we got to balance all three of those. And then afterwards, we'll go work on a trapeze. And of course, this is all going to be different group by group and organization by organization. But what should organizations have at the bottom of their to-do list? Where should they not start? Mm, good question. Where they should not start is probably the premise of getting things back to normal. They should resist the urge to revert back to majority in-person visits. We have been talking, you and I, for years with groups about telehealth and telemedicine and virtual visits, and there wasn't a lot of uptick in it. We heard a lot of resistance on that. Well, in the space of a very short period of time, groups have made tremendous strides in that space. As they think about reopening, a significant portion of visits are already gone virtual. We should not be just trying to get back to predominantly in-person care. Uh, We should think about how do we continue some of the good things like telehealth that COVID has brought. And this is really important because when we talk about reopening, what I think groups really mean is how do I get back to some semblance of normal? 
But of course, their new normal is probably going to need to look different than what it was before. And there's no better example of that than telehealth. Can you actually hypothesize what percentage of physician visits will or perhaps should remain remote versus in-person? Let me dust off my crystal ball for a second. I think what we're going to be looking at is probably closer to 50-50. This is something we've been hearing from organizations. This is something we've been hearing in particular in the outpatient setting. There's a surprising number of physicians and APPs that like telehealth. After years of not adopting it, a lot of groups have decided that they like it. And this is something to continue moving forward with. I think there's also a huge value to the usage of telehealth and virtual visits because PPE is still one of the biggest rate-limiting factors for any visit or any interaction. And when doing a visit via telehealth, we can conserve of PPE. And that's going to be one of the biggest barriers to restarting ambulatory in-person visits. I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think that the idea of protecting PPE sounds simple in theory, but is actually pretty complex. What are you hearing from ambulatory leaders on the front line about this? This is an important point. It's going to be a little bit tense at times, I think, because there's this growing pressure. We need to get back to doing business. We need revenue to pick back up. And there is a clinical urgency for a lot of our patients to be getting in for the procedures that they need and have been deferring or that we have had to postpone. There are going to be some trade-offs that have to be made around PPE, and it's likely going to make it difficult in the sense of you know sequencing and prioritizing patients. There are some resources out there that I think we can probably share, but uh, what we're really seeing is that PPE is going to be the thing that determines whether or not we can do a certain type of procedure, especially if it's too PPE intensive. We may have to wonder about not doing it. And of course, we can put those resources right in the show notes. We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. Remember to subscribe to Radio Advisory on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you subscribe, you will get the latest episodes delivered to you as they become available. And if you like the podcast, leave a rating or a review. We've been talking a little bit about the could and the should of reopening, but my guess is that a lot of the focus actually needs to be on the how. What are some of the operational procedures that groups need to address? That's a very long list, and we're not going to cover it all here today. We have a checklist that's actually probably a better place to cover much of this, but we could probably do a short version either from the patient's perspective or the provider's perspective. You know I'm going to ask you to do both. Let's start with the patient perspective. Of course you are. Patient. Screening. That's that's going to have to be some policy or procedure from the patient's perspective that takes place. How do we screen them? Is it taking their temperature when they walk in? Is it screening questions? Do we actually test them? Will we have sufficient tests to do that? Every waiting room is going to need to be socially distant, and the same will probably be need to be done for registration desks and things like billing. The whole process of what we would think of as the normal visit, taking a patient 
patient in, taking them to a room, taking them out, all of those things we need to apply safety concerns like testing, like social distancing, and like PPE. And that's something we talked about with Shay when we talked about reopening hospitals and surgical centers as well. Tell me about now the the provider side. Internal operations is going to be a big play here. When practices reopen, start seeing a lot of in-person visits again, they are going to be managing that backlog that we've already discussed. There's already been an access problem in outpatient practice for years. One of the things that we saw before COVID was that it could take 26, 27, 28 days to get a new appointment. And now we are going to have a backlog of patients and also a bunch of new patients who want to come in. I think some of the good news there, and this is stuff you know very well, is that there is a chance to expand capacity with limited resources, to switch things up a bit, to increase our effective capacity. Let's talk about that. How would a group actually expand access given all of the limited resources that they have now and the inability to probably add any additional physicians or providers to to help manage that backlog? A lot of what I think about here is the idea of working smarter. This is going to be about making sure that every opportunity for a provider to see a patient actually has a provider seeing a patient, but in particular, the right patient. Some of the big ones that come to mind for me are no-shows. We're going to have to keep our no-show rate very low. I think referrals are going to be huge as well. The margin of error of having a patient come in to see our knee doc only to find out that they're a hip replacement, that's going to be a bit of a problem. And referring physicians are going to be a group that we really need to work with to get patients back in. This is important because I think just the way that providers and physicians interact with patients is going to look a heck of a lot different, right? You mentioned it with things like the waiting room or intake and triage. It's also true with how we intake requests from referring providers. And even things like pre-visit chart review is likely to get a lot more complex because clinically, you've got to figure out how to capture if that patient has symptoms. You also have to figure out if that patient maybe had a telehealth visit via FaceTime. Oh, yeah. The change, for instance, that we now need to make to our scheduling templates to account for longer chart review. Uh, We're going to have to really optimize our schedules and our templates for our providers in the outpatient setting to account for the complexity of the work and all of the time that this more complex work is going to take while we still try to be productive. And one of the things that we haven't talked about yet that's likely to be very different about care delivery is actually just the reliance on the care team. What are you hearing from the front lines about that? One of the silver linings of COVID from the care team perspective has been increased APP autonomy. Advanced practice providers have had a lot of state and national level restrictions on what they can do. And there's also been an element of have physicians really adopted them into their workflow? Have they really been willing to share? The parts of care delivery with APPs. COVID's really kind of opened the door on that. The regulations are down and physicians are getting a firsthand chance during COVID to see the clinical capabilities of APPs and to partner with them in more advanced ways. And I think that's going to be a really positive thing for us going forward. 
That's right. And when groups are starting to reopen or resume normal procedures, they should be ensuring wherever possible that APPs are seeing their own patients, practicing autonomously, managing their own panel. We have a little bit of work about that, don't we? We, we do have a lot of work about that. That's, that's more to add to the show notes. All right, Daniel, we've gone through a lot of detail about can groups reopen, should they, and how do they actually get back to some semblance of normalcy? The last question I want to ask you is what would you tell executives to focus on this week? Classic advisory board, I'm going to give two answers. Answer number one is communication, 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 communication to your staff and your providers, communication to your patients and your community, and communication to your referring physicians. This is all about what's happening, how we are, quote unquote, reopening, and how we're going to do this in a safe way. The second thing is, with all of this focus on reopening, don't get lost in the idea of returning to normal. As much as I hate to say it, normal wasn't optimal. It wasn't working perfectly in a lot of situations. Visits were almost entirely in person. Very few practices had really extended their hours and were seeing patients outside of a normal nine to five. And nearly every group had untapped capacity that was difficult to get to. In every crisis, there is an opportunity. And one of the things that's been really inspiring about the work we're seeing from a lot of medical group members is they're taking advantage of this to define what new normal is. And that's the message I would send to other executives. Maximize all available capacity, take advantage of APPs, even more so extend hours, offer and keep virtual visits, and really focus on meeting patients where and when they need care. Change is not necessarily bad. situation. I am not surprised that you cheated and answered with two questions, but I'll let it slide this time. It's who I am. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Medical group leaders are already considering how they start to reopen their practices. And it's easy to get bogged down by the obvious strategic questions like when, where, and what services to actually prioritize first. But keep in mind, there are a whole host of operational policies that need to be implemented or changed in order to keep patients and providers safe. Don't lose sight of that necessary blocking and tackling. And as always, we're here to help. I have taken all of the pillows off of my couch, all of the blankets off of my couch and in my house, and surrounded myself with them.